It's Tuesday, March 1st, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Ron Gross, from Income Investor, James Early, and from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Barker. Guys, good to see you. Good to see you, Chris. We've got the latest on Twitter's valuation and Tiffany's marketing. But we will begin deep below the ocean. The Obama administration has issued the first deepwater drilling permit since the BP oil spill. Houston-based Noble Energy has an approved permit to drill in the Gulf of Mexico. James Early, Noble stock was up about 4% yesterday on the news. Are there other stocks that you see that could benefit from this? Well, eventually, Chris, eventually. I would say it's a little late to jump on the Noble bandwagon right now, but, you know, the, the big picture here, you might have noticed that gas prices are up because of unrest in Egypt and Libya. And, and uh, Michael Bromwich, who is the director of the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management, said in a press release there was absolutely no politics associated with the <laughs> approval of this deepwater application. In Never. other words, this was all politics and nothing else. That's, that's the subtext here. So, yeah, Noble Energy, uh, Inesco, uh, Diamond Offshore Drilling, these are all sort of obvious beneficiaries. Eventually, the, the big oil majors, I think, could, could benefit from this, too. We're going to have to open up the Gulf at some point. But Helix Energy Solutions is another interesting company. These guys are up only 18% year-to-date, which is surprising given that they make containment systems for uh, deep water uh, leakages, uh, apparently, like, like, like BP had. So that's another idea. So is that is that a pretty safe assumption? Because I know when I saw the headline, I thought, well, I, I have to believe that what's going on in the Middle East has at least some, if not all, to do with this. It is correct. Yeah, the, the, the official moratorium, if you recall, has, has you know, been lifted a while back, but, but there were no approvals going through. In other words, like it, it was still a de facto moratorium, and, and everybody was sort of waiting for whatever this catalyst was going to be, and, and, and now we have a catalyst. Well, it's, it stands to reason. I mean, now that we've got this approved, gas prices should be coming down any day now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. This will surely be a hero. translate yeah. into much more oil on the market uh, rapidly, right? Within, I mean, within two weeks, I would have to think. I mean, realistically, what, what are we talking about? How many years until this permit translates into a new drop of oil. Yeah, well, this particular permit is almost like an extension of, of some existing oil that they were planning to drill for, so they're not necessarily at the, the, the total greenfield or whatever the, the underwater greenfield term is, prospecting phase. But, oh yeah, it probably takes months, about years, to get lots of oil flowing from these types of things. J.P. Morgan Chase has invested in a fund that has bought about $400 million worth of shares of Twitter. This puts Twitter's valuation at a reported four and a half billion dollars. Ron Gross, what do you think of that ah, number for Twitter? Chris, and the internet bubble continues. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's hard to say. Obviously, Twitter is probably the, the hot uh, prospect now. Uh, it's even, in some, in some circles, uh, hotter than Facebook, obviously. It, it's almost the next Facebook. It's hard to say if, if valuation here is reasonable at all because we don't have much data. We know some folks uh, think maybe $150 million in revenue for Twitter this year. Profitability, we really have no idea. $4 billion, obviously, that sounds like a lot of money. JP Morgan started this fund that you just mentioned um, earlier in February to invest specifically in private companies just like this. It's a little bit unclear. They might be doing it in conjunction with uh, entrepreneur Chris Saka, who's, who's known for Google and some other mm-hmm. um, very successful investments. Uh, it's, it's just continuing this trend of, of buying these um, hot companies, uh, p- still private, in the hopes of reaping rewards down the road. What single piece of information, Ron, would you most want to know if you were investing in Twitter? It's a private company, but what would you really want to know? Well, obviously, um, 
we need to know what what the I think the revenue model would look like five years from now. Yeah, um, is it is it an ad based revenue? And nobody model? knows that now. We really don't. And and then and what does profitability looks like? If, if all these companies are chasing revenue, advertising dollars, uh, not everyone's going to be the winner. What what would differentiate them? Why would why would they deserve a valuation in the billions of dollars? Bill Barker, I know you're not among them, but Twitter has 200 million registered users. That's a that's a pretty big number. That in and of itself might be enough to, in some minds, justify the $4.5 billion valuation. Yeah, in a sense, it, it helps you try to break down the valuation. You could say, oh, if there are 200 million registered users and it's uh, valuing this at $4.5 billion, uh, then you know that's $18, $19 a user. Uh, and and if you're going to break it down to eyeballs, then that's only like nine bucks per eyeball. So <laughs> sure, there's that. Some people probably less. have one eye. Yeah. But I mean, you're you're straining for uh, ways in which to get at the valuation, and and of course you're you're this is in a little bit of a haze because you've just got a private market transaction. It's one entity dealing with another mm-hmm. entity. Usually, when you want to extrapolate on the implied market valuation of something, you're talking about extending that valuation to a point where all the participants in the market agree and can go short on a stock or long on it. So the the, the only participants in this transaction uh, are uh, Saka and, and you know uh, uh, JP Morgan and, and so and it, it doesn't give you enough information to really latch on to X billion dollars, I, I think, as the, the proper valuation of the company, especially when you're in the dark about what the business model is going to yeah. be. Yeah. Anytime you're trying to think, have to rationalize what the actual business model might be, to me, that's a red flag. So Twitter, if this valuation is correct, is around $4.5 billion. Groupon is valued at a reported 8 to $10 billion. And the latest we've seen on Facebook is somewhere north of $80 billion. So what would you rather have? Would you rather have all of Twitter, half of Groupon, or one twentieth of Facebook? Ron, I'm staying away from Groupon. I know that. <laughs> um, I'm going to reluctantly go with Facebook on this one, Chris. Really, you wouldn't want all of Twitter? You wouldn't want to roll the dice? I'm not a dice roller, Chris. <laughs> Bill, what about you? I don't know. Last I last I heard, uh, Facebook was fifty billion, not eighty billion. But that c- could have just been like earlier this morning. Right, right. I guess, <laughs> where, was, where you been? <laughs> somebody's uh, reported headline valuation of the company. I think on the business, if I had to have one business model, it, it, it would be Facebook's. But the value, you know, you're you're asking for a little bit too much in a sense here. Take a guess at the business model. Take a guess at the revenues. Take a guess at at the valuation. There are too many dimensions there for you know anybody to really grasp what what they would do, except you know in the private market where they're actually seeing the actual numbers. James, you want to roll the dice? Uh, yes, uh, t- Twitter for a buyout premium, but Facebook for the actual business model. And finally, Academy Awards co-host Anne Hathaway was paid a reported $750,000 to wear Tiffany jewelry on stage during the Oscars. We've talked in this room before about the cost of Super Bowl ads, $3 million for 30 seconds. And if you're a shareholder, do you feel like that's a good use of the company's money? That, That seems like a staggering amount of money, as lovely as I think Anne Hathaway is. $750,000 to promote their jewelry. If you're a Tiffany shareholder, Bill Barker, what do you think about that? If I were a Tiffany shareholder, I guess all in all, I would rather have seen them spend the $750,000 to 
uh, as an offer to James Franco to stop hosting, you know, maybe about 15, <laughs> 20 minutes. Offer. Yeah. I mean, I think they would have gotten a lot of goodwill from <laughs> millions of people out there if they had just publicized yeah, make that. Make it a very clear you know? press release. I mean, as it is, they're getting us to talk about uh, Anne Hathaway and how well she, she wore all this. So they're getting some free advertisement. But really, I think the James Franco card is something that, you know, if not them, maybe we at The Motley Fool should have thought about and put it out on our Twitter feed. We are now offering 50, 100 bucks to James Franco to just stop. Ron? I think, unlike the Super Bowl, where these things go viral and live for not, not just on, the, on television for, for weeks and months to come, but, but on the internet, this will be done in a day. After we're done talking about it here, I think that's it. Um, three quarters of a million dollars is an awful lot of money. I don't think it, it generates uh, the revenue or, or the brand recognition. I don't, I don't see it being worth it. Well, we've had ads on NASCARs for, for ages. You know, it's, it's, this strikes me as sort of a natural extension of that. And I, it's a matter of time before we have some kind of social media thing where you can pitch to celebrities or maybe advertise yourself for tattoo space if you want to <laughs> you know, put a brand on yourself for, for some type of money. All right. Let's just go around the table real quick uh, because everyone in this room is married. Bill Barker, I will start with you because you're a fashion horse. I mean, this, <laughs> this isn't a video podcast. It's an audio podcast. But, but if it were a video podcast, you'd be the one that, that uh, you know, the viewers would be like, wow, that guy's I, – I, For a long time, it has been known and I have advertised myself as the worst dressed man in North America. <laughs> <laughs> what is one article of clothing? One. Just one that your lovely wife would pay you – not to wear ever again. Uh, and the left side of the closet does not count as one article? No, just no. one. <laughs> uh, there's a green sweatshirt that, that she would get rid of, I think, and has tried to and is perhaps doing so right now, you know, while I'm, while I'm at work. True or false, this green sweatshirt, I'm just guessing, but true or false, this green sweatshirt is older than all of your children. Uh, Combined. Well, how, how, would, how would I know? I just, I just have clothes. Somebody gives me clothes and I have them. Ron, what about you? Well, well since it's just us sitting around here, no, one, sure. no one's listening. Um, I have this. We have, hey, that's not true. We have tens of listeners. I have this unbelievable pair of Superman pajamas. That have no, you do not. I swear to God, <laughs> no, I do. You do not. And as long as it's just us sitting around here, I'm not afraid to admit they are it. Not Supergirl uh, pajamas. They, right? No, they are Superman, and they um, have holes in them like you couldn't believe. And I refuse to throw them away. Are, are they Superman? Do they have holes because you wore them when you were eight years old? No, no, they're they're from they're adult <laughs> Superman. Take come past your elbows. <laughs> I'm learning so much more about you than I ever wanted to. James Early? Well, speaking of holes, I do have a pair of lucky boxers, which I wore until, <laughs> until they became my, my, my summer boxers, shall we say. Uh, and then my wife decided they had to go. What, what kind of luck did you have with these boxers? <laughs> or is just, that a brand name? Let's just call them my lucky boxers. <laughs> I think we're going to wrap up right there. James Early, Bill Barker, Ron Gross. Guys, thanks for being thanks, here. Chris. Thank you, Sorry for everything, Chris. <laughs> As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Creer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. There's a lot of foolery, not a lot of market. <laughs> There's your outtake. Hi, this is James Early with a special clarification on just why my lucky boxers were, in fact, lucky. My colleagues gave me a hard time after the show, so I wanted to come on here and say that these were the boxers that I wore when I got my job here at The Motley Fool. 
These were the boxers that I wore when I married my wife. And these were the boxers I wore when my son was born. Thank you for listening.